You're listening to the Great to Greater podcast with Tiffany Rufino, where we talk about all things business and life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Great to Greater with Tiffany Rufino. I am Tiffany, and I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jeffrey Rufino. Hello. Hello. Boy, do we have an episode today. Yeah, we had quite the title for this episode, didn't we? I bet everybody's wondering. Do you think they're wondering or do you think they know? We have a pretty uh, intellectual audience, I'd like to say. <laughs> they might know. Who yeah. knows? I, I don't know. Every time like there's the, the F word, it's usually considered a bad four-letter word. So, you know, it's only natural to assume that we would have a title that was... Um, provocative, I guess, for the best word I'm looking for. Yeah, I guess that's safe to say. Do you think it's provocative? Um, it was provocative before we even came up with the title. How about that? The F word? Well, the topic that we're talking about today. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, so the title of this podcast, which we chose to use no description for because we wanted you to join in the conversation and listen with an open mind or a different kind of mindset and maybe uh, twist that up for you, is failing, failing, which is one of those bad four-letter words that we use at work now, right? Failing at work, failing at home, failing in life, failing in general. Um, And this topic came up because we were... We were chatting about a couple of things, and there was something that we were watching where they had um, said to somebody that they failed. Like, it, it was a show or a commercial that we saw, and the conversation between the boss and employee was to the employee that they had failed at doing something. And it made me stop and think, and I was like, when was the last time I've watched that happen in real life where somebody said, you failed, or, you you know, you failed at your job, you failed at this. And even in TV shows and and, uh, movies, you don't hear that often that somebody failed. Even in um, movies, you know, regarding the military and things like that, where they're really, really pressing somebody to be strong-willed, strong-minded, strong physically and everything else, um, you know, it, it's either pass or fail, right? And with, with the military, you have to pass. Like, you have to make all those markers. Could be that life and death. Yeah, absolutely. So the training in there is really hardcore and intense. And we've, um, even uh, Simon Sinek has gone in and been hired by uh, armed forces to work with leadership on, you know, really strengthening the mindset of these people that have gone to protect our country and the leadership that's there so that this way they can work on a way that helps these um, these armed forces come out of the horrible situations that they were in um, with a mindset that is healthier or a way that they can be like worked with along their tours or, or what they're doing for training, um, and strengthen their mindset and help them with their emotions. So it's not just all, uh, physical and mental, you know, that there's emotional now involved in helping protect our vets for as much as we can. I mean, you know, like the stuff that they go through, I can't even imagine. However, when I think about the workplace, there's been such a strong emphasis on don't say the word fail right? Like look for different words because that's neuro-linguistic programming in their minds. Like let's not look at failure as, you know, you're done. Let's look at it as an opportunity. And as long as you learn something from it, you know, you, you didn't fail, you still walked away. And it's almost like a participation ribbon for people at work or just like we're doing at school, right? Like we don't want kids to feel bad. And so we, everybody gets a ribbon, but the first place person knows in their mind that they were first place, but they don't have anything to document that. And the last place person knows that they were in last place, but they still got something to reward them. And I am wondering what made fail such a bad word? Because now that I'm looking at it and thinking it over, part of me thinks that fail can equate to in a person's mind that it's about them as a person and it can turn them into a perfectionist so that they never feel that way again, which can A, damage 
their work-life balance because if it's not perfect, they're not going to leave and it's can, it's going to change their time management on projects projects that they're working on. But B, would it be a stronger output of work effort if that's what they're doing to compensate for being told that they failed as opposed to saying, it's okay, you're all right, you're going to make it, we're going to turn this negative into a positive like Pitbull, let's just rock on. Yeah. Um, I think of the, uh, the expression and in a lot of cases, I'm, I'm not a fan of this expression, but it's whether you think you can or you <laughs> think you can't, you're right. Right. And if it's like, you know, breathing, no matter what you think, you know, you can breathe, like, you know, try stopping, you, you'll, you're going to keep doing it. So, um, yeah, I agree. I think that fail becomes a reflection of you and then it self-esteem thing etc instead of looking at failing as like well this didn't go as planned but what did you learn from that and now you could take what you learned but you're still see even in saying that you're avoiding the word fail this didn't go as planned well i'm saying using that as a definition for fail like i'm I'm trying not to use the word fail in the definition but I'm like, yeah, you failed. Now let's look at what you've learned from that failure. So as a so as a company culture, you're saying make sure that the word is defined before you're using it in performance reviews or in feedback or observations, etc. Yeah, and I don't even know that you should even use it in performance reviews because unless you're unless you're using it with the right context. But I think I'm I'm going off on a tangent. That's okay. We like tangents here. I mean, um, I, I from the beginning of this journey, uh, even in my leadership journey, and, and part of the reason that I got into the mindset of, you know, there doesn't have to be management for people. There can be leadership for people. It's always been because the thought process was that the leaders that I have that I looked up to or that I do look up to were positive, Right, and I equated failure with negative. You know what I just realized? What? What if we're the drama? We're the drama. This, this, we are the drama. We are the ones that started the cancel culture because all these negative words that were being said in comedy shows or on TV or in past shows, they were too negative. And so cancel culture came along and said, you can't say that because that triggers us and it makes us feel negative and we want to feel positive. So you got to stop saying negative things about everything. Like even if you don't like something, if you don't like high C, then you just say, this is not for me. You don't say that you don't like it because then that's going to influence everybody. We Hmm. are the drama. We're the drama. We created this cancel culture because... We changed our language at work, and then we, it transferred over into home, right? Because you want to have these great conversations at the dinner table about your day at work or your day at school and everything else. And then, you know, this started probably in the 2010s, I would say. And then, like, it was a slow crawl towards, okay, let's get the buy-in of speaking positively to our employees, speaking positively to our leaders, and turning around and using positive framing like we do in our commercials when we're branding our brand and all this other stuff like it should trickle back and let's create this you know amazing culture because it's around the time of zappos becoming really popular and they had this amazing culture when they first came out and they also had great products and great shoes and things like that but you know if you remember when he started zappos he he created this book of here, you can stay, but read this book of what other employees have written about the company, good, bad, and worse. Like, so this way, you know what you're getting into if you're going to be part of it. And, you know, we don't want to force you to be here, but we'll even pay you to not be here if this is what you'd like. And I think it was like $3,000 to not take the job and to see like, are you really passionate or do you just want to take $3,000 and go, go find something you're passionate about? Just because we really want, like, happy, passionate people here. And, like, can you imagine walking into, like, the stock market to go get a job? Or, like, if Will Smith had done that in The Pursuit of Happiness, you know, when he was doing... I mean, granted, that was a true story that it was based on. But, like, if they had said, here, you could take $3,000 or we could give you the job today. 
like how many people would take the $3,000 versus the job, but it, it does turn this sort of business into like a positive, like, wow, they really care about their employees. They'd really want people to be here because they want to be here. So it weeds out, you know, the ones that don't, that can kind of create like this negative attitude in the workplace, which can make the business, you know, trickle down. Um, but I just wonder, like, did we, did we not put the brakes on what the, uh, what the ceiling would be for how positive we were going to be? Or do we just decide we're going to keep growing until we become this beanstalk? Cause we started out as dandelions and went to daisies and then calla lilies and let's just keep growing and be positive and have like birds and bees and flowers and everything else. And there's nothing <clears throat> bad in the world. We're going to willy wonk our way out of this. I think there's a lot to unpack there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna focus on the last part, especially Willy with Wonka? like yes, let's do it. Chocolate. <laughs> yep. Well, especially with focusing on being positive all the time, and having that posi- positivity translate over into everything. Sometimes it's a curse. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes you have the absolute best plan in the world. And mindset. you have the best mindset, mm-hmm. you have the best preparation, you have the best people, you have the best resources, you have the best everything. And then at the last second, lightning strikes something and, and breaks it. And maybe you can recover because you're prepared, but it didn't, it doesn't turn out the way you expected, right? Um, That's the universe laughing at you because you expected it. To turn out a certain way, by the way. And, and it, yeah, that very well may be. It is. But that, <laughs> like, letting that be the thing that, you know, changes you because something and, and makes the whole thing look like a negative is, I think it might be even be conditioning you to not accept reality mm-hmm. and try to put a positive spin on it. You know, um, we just watched the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. One team has to lose. Yeah. You know, sometimes the Super Bowl, when you watch it, just like this game yesterday, ends on in the last couple minutes on one play. Mm -hmm. And your entire season, you prepared and you did all this stuff and you practiced and you went through all your games and you executed all the way up until that last moment. Do you have to feel bad about that? Yeah, because you did all that and you didn't get that reward. You got a participation ribbon, right? And even as a fan, whether you're a fan watching it, think about all the fans and like how Philly fans went wild in the streets because of that play at the end that could have changed everything. Or, I mean, you could start at the beginning of the game and get mad that the turf wasn't the way that it was supposed to be. And who knows if the game would have started off differently had the turf been like the one that they've been using for years. But the guy that puts down the turf and forgive me, I forgot his name right now. It was his last year of doing it because he's freaking 90 years old and he tried something new on his last year. Who does that? So the team gets interrupted, changes their cleats. Well, one team does. The other one doesn't do it for a while or some of them do it, you know, in between plays. But like that could have been, there's so many instances where things could have been changed during that game. And the crazy thing is there's two parts to this. A, I don't even watch football like that. And B, I picked the team that I wanted to win right before the game started just because, like, that's what I do if I don't watch the game. And even I was mad that they lost when I don't even, like, I wasn't even invested in it. I knew most of the players by the end of the game. But, you know, just that it was, like, tied until the last minute and 14 seconds. And one play, based on someone's quote-unquote professional opinion, you know, changes the the course of everybody's lives in that game. It truly does, like... You know, whether it was somebody that was about to retire and that was their last chance to, you know, go ahead and win the Super Bowl or whether it was somebody's second year as a coach and they brought them to the Super Bowl and how cool it would have been, you know, to bring that ring and that trophy home or who would have been MVP if things had changed Mm -hmm. or which brother got to hold it over the other brother, you know, like for the next year or whatnot. So, I mean, there's so many rippling effects from just that game. But I think about like, 
you need to have a balance. I'm not saying that we can't be positive um, for the majority of the time. I think for a health factor, mental health, emotional health, even physical health, because that frequency that you put out comes back to you and affects you in all those ways. Um, and the, the positive affects you in obviously a positive way. The negative affects you in a negative way. Fail is not an adjective. So it's not something that's about you. It's about something that occurred within the performance of whatever behavior or action you were doing. So if I was supposed to run to the line um, before 30 seconds was up and I got to the line at 32 seconds, yeah, I failed. (laughs) You know, I took two seconds too long. There is no other way to say that. My goal was this. Did I make it? No, absolutely not. So I failed. I failed in that task. Now, the the opportunity, I would say, within that for somebody who is a leader is to look at what behaviors would have made me pass. And I think we've covered this story before, um, but I'm going to share it again because it applies to this. But in Masterclass, which is an app where you can watch like all, all the different people that have mastered their skill, like Gordon Ramsay, blah, 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 blah. There's the basketball coach that's there that coached women's basketball, but he talks about how he went to an event and um, it was like a mentorship event for coaches in general. And they uh, had a contest for, you know, uh, somebody to run the, the length of the basketball court. And so they asked for volunteers. This one kid comes down. He's got like all this great energy. He's so excited to do it. And the coach says to him, Okay, so uh, I'll give you, I don't know, it was like $100 or whatever, if you get to half court by a certain amount of time. So uh, they're like, on your mark, it's that go. Kid runs. He didn't make it. And so the kid comes back disappointed. And the coach says, okay, so now I want you to run. I'm going to give you one more shot. I want you to run the fastest that you can, and I'll double the money. And so the kid runs as fast as he can, and he, he made it. And so the coach said, what changed? Why didn't you run the fastest the first time and the second time you did? Like, if you could have run at your full capacity the first time, why didn't you do it the first time? Not knowing that I would double it or even give you another chance, you know? And that's the real point of that story there. I might have got some, like, numbers wrong with the dollars or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, the thing is, why isn't the person giving their, their full capacity for each job and not not just saying going above and beyond but like going full capacity at at what you're expected to do right we've already talked about quiet quitting and people do it and why they do it and really it's a matter of i don't owe you more than what i'm getting paid for and what the expectations of my job are um yeah performance reviews can have exceed expectations and have that positive influence on there and that could help with your annual raise or, you know, however it's worked out with your uh, career, your job or whatever. But um, at the end of the day, why wouldn't you put your full effort into a job that you seeked out that you got, even if it's meeting like just the minimum standards of the job requirements? And then why would you, why would you expect a golden trophy or like kudos for doing that part of it? And why would you be mad if your boss celebrates somebody that does go above and beyond the minimum versus celebrating what you were supposed to do? Um, I think about, there's an episode of House, and I don't remember which one. So if you're not familiar, House MD is a show um, that aired about a decade and a half, maybe a decade and a half ago, with Hugh Laurie. And there was, and he plays a doctor, and basically, he's very sarcastic, and you know, does a lot of uh, passive aggressive things. But he's brilliant; he can diagnose anything. And there's a point where he's talking to one of the doctors under him, and says, like, just describing something that he did, and he says, "You did a great thing. You should feel great about that." But then you failed. You should feel crappy about that. <laughs> and it's 
it's so simple, but I think we don't allow ourselves to feel crappy mm-hmm. about the thing that we did that <clears throat> that failed. Especially if you've been, you know, I'll, I'll own it. If I was so drowned, I drowned myself in the positivity, I think, because A, I needed it at the time. Like, I, I think I need it all the time, but... At that particular time when the positive movement was coming around in the workforce, I really embraced it and immersed myself in it. And to the point where I was using, and I still do, I use the verbiage at work and working with clients and working with family and friends and things like that. Like I don't let somebody beat themselves down. And, you know, sometimes we need to sit in that moment and just feel it. It's almost like grief in a way, but like Mm -hmm. grieving for what you could have done better and you have to replay that in your head so that you can sometimes not everybody saw everything but you know what you did right like when you think of house and you think of being a doctor you think of like everything has to be so coordinated and so calculated and what you do in a surgery I would think right like the up to the way you wash your hands the up Mm -hmm. to the way that you're gloved and you they put on your surgical coat and the hat and the mask and everything else to how the tools are set up so they're easy to grab. So it becomes, so your brain can focus on other things while you have like, uh, what's that when your body automatically does it? Like the memory, the automatic. The muscle memory. Muscle yeah. memory. So muscle memory is focused on where the tools are, but your brain is focused on what could I do to save this person? So you took all the weight off so that that's all you have to focus on. And I think by replacing the negative with the positive, you don't give people a time to reflect back on what they felt for themselves uh, could have been done better. And I think as a leader, we have our own mindset of what could have been done better, but that's us creating that goal for people without them having the opportunity to create that goal for themselves or reflect on the accountability of not meeting that goal. And speaking of goals, we have a group that we want to help achieve their nonprofit goal. I don't know if you've heard of SMART, S-M-A-R-T. It stands for Saving Missing Animals Response Team. Carolyn Johnson has been a volunteer for about 10 years here in Flagler County until she started SMART. 10 years dedicated to helping abandoned and abused pets. Smart of Flagler County assists dogs, cats, and wildlife by providing services such as medical care, rehabilitation, training, fostering, and adoption. You can visit their website at smartflagler.com. That's S-M-A-R-T-F-L-A-G-E-R.com to meet their fur friends and learn about their success stories. But they also need your help. So this March, March 11th, they're going to have an event. It's called Jeepin' for the Dogs. It's from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Good Times Dog Bar. Go ahead and register on their website and make sure to follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You could donate at their website or contact them if you're interested in sponsoring their efforts to help animals countywide. Smartflagler.com. Please go ahead and check out smartflagler.com because that's one goal that we don't want to fail at. I mean, like, what aside from, like, our topic for today, what this group does is absolutely amazing. I mean, on I'm in most of the Facebook groups, especially here in Florida, um, and just seeing heartbroken families that have lost their pet, you know, like they ran out of the house quickly or somebody let them out accidentally or whatever the case may be, and they have these pleading posts of, please, if you see this, and all of a sudden everybody knows Carolyn, and they're tagging her in these posts, and usually by the return, like within 24 hours, they have their pet back. Um, or she's rehabilitating animals that may have unfortunately, you know, gotten the wrong way in traffic and they weren't anybody's, maybe they were abandoned or whatever the case may be. And, you know, she's volunteering and saving and um, connecting people as fosters. I mean, it's just the time and the energy and the way that um, this whole entire group, including a close dear friend of mine, Laura, who I went to school with in New York, um, the time that they dedicate to this is just uh, amazing. I, I just, you know, it's one thing that I wish to do and aspire to do in some shape, way, or form, and that will happen. But um, anyway, please check out their website, and uh, they are positive. Ho, 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 ho. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, boy. I know, I'm punny, I'm punny. Anyway, yeah, so failing, failing at home, what does that look like? I think that goes back to what people 
consider failing and how it's defined as a culture within your family and how it's defined in your relationship and how it's defined by society. And unfortunately, that goes back to, you know, how others are perceiving you and what they're thinking about you and how much you care about that. Um, I really think that with kids, yeah, when they get a test, it shouldn't be just, you know, like, good job, work on this, work on this. I think they need to know if they passed or failed. And I think you put it um, in a much better way than I could have, but I'll kind of summarize it but you spoke as coming from like an analytical point of view when you're looking at systems um more of like whether something's going to move forward in a project management sort of way that there really is only a pass or a fail and you know I don't know how much emotion or people part of it can get involved in how you were sharing that when we were talking about the topic of whether or not we were going to bring it to the forefront um but go ahead and just like enhance a little bit on what you were talking about and then we could dig in a little further on how emotional intelligence may or may not be involved in that. So the the management and and I'm so glad you brought up like project management because that is actual management. And I always look at it as like a binary, zero or one. Do you does your thing meet the budget? Yes or no? It can and you're right, it can be very cold and calculated. The leadership to that, as opposed to looking at zero to one, is more like zero to 100. And that's where the, the there's a different pass or fail, right? So you may have done the thing that you did, but how well did you do you it? You done did it. You done did it. <laughs> um, but how well did you do it? And can you be inspired to do it even better? So now you're not thinking in terms of just, did you flip the switch? You're thinking in zero to 100 as in, you did it, and if I if I assess the whole thing, it's a, it's a sixty eight, right? Mm-hmm. How can we get it to a seventy five? Do you wanna do you wanna perform at a seventy five? What's your goal for that? And so now you're not talking about you failed or your performance was bad or whatever. You're more talking about well, you did what we asked of you, but where do you see your performance being in in what you are um what you're contributing to the organization okay and so that's why i always think about it that way as 0 to 1 or 0 to 100 because 0 to 1 i don't know that you should look at people as 0 to 1 and there are a lot of um areas such as like auditing or um evaluations of things where you look at a person and there's zero context to whether or not they did a tax task. They they just either did or they didn't. Um, I I don't know how effective that is overall, but that's basically what I look at. It's funny that, well, it's not funny, but just ironic that we put such an emphasis on being positive. And then we take it away during performance reviews or a scale of one to a hundred, as you mentioned, and encourage the thought that there's always an area for you to improve in. So you're never going to get the highest or you're never going to get a hundred or you're never going to get the five out of five. So just think when you have to self-evaluate, there's always something you have to work on. So it's that backhanded, well, for the past year before my performance review, you've been telling me I've been doing great and I've gotten all these participation ribbons and I've never failed at anything. And now you're telling me that I'm missing something, but I have to figure out what it is. And that can go to report cards too, right? You know, like there's some teachers that will never tell you that you're at the point of failing and then you get your mid-year report card and you come home from school and your parents are looking at you with an angry face of, why didn't you tell me that you were about to fail in X, Y, Z? And you're like, I didn't know. I thought 68 was passing. I thought like 66 was passing. I thought I was doing great because at least I knew 66% of the information and I didn't know that I had to know at least 100% of it because nobody gets 100 
right? And it's that cycle of, you know, you're great, you're great, you're great, but you're never going to be 100% great. And you're never going to be like enough to get the highest score on anything. But you're doing great. You're doing great. You'll always be participating. We're glad to have you on the team. And then there's the other extreme while we're on the school topic of teachers that you literally are handing in work that's wrong and they're overlooking that and they mm. might they'll give you full marks so they'll give yeah. you 100 out of 100 we're just glad but, he showed up today yeah <laughs> but in the remarks they'll say hey you had 12 grammar errors in this but or, you got 100 we or it. you made a mistake on this i don't i don't see it as much in math like math is you either got right. it right or you got it wrong right but it can happen where well you showed your work and you made an effort and i see where you were going but you you didn't put the minus sign here, so the whole thing got messed up. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that if you put that out in the real world and you miss a minus sign or you, you do that thing. Like if it's for NASA. Yeah, there like, are some consequences. Big, yeah, I mean, bring sure. it back to the what you mentioned about the surgeon. Mm-hmm. If a surgeon said, well, you know, when I was in school, they said, good enough. Mm. Do you want to be on that table? <laughs> not me yeah but to okay so here's my positive poly coming out right like when i go to a surgeon and i'll ask what did you get in math class before you start operating on me right what what was your gpa before you go in and you take a look and to see how many ovaries i have today um if you follow my facebook you'll know that story um (laughs) i mean that's the truth like i'm just being honest that's me i i didn't and I've never asked any of my doctors, even our favorite one that we go to. Yeah. You know, we've never asked her, so where are you at? Where are you going with your uh, continuing education? And are you at the top of your class? Like, I mean, at the point that we're there, it's kind of like, just get it done and fix me. And I feel like that's probably the mindset everybody has. Like, when you're at work, just get this project done. Let's go ahead and move it forward so we can move on to the next one. When you're at home, it's... All right, go ahead. Let's do laundry. Let's do the dishes. Let's everybody have dinner. Probably not in that order um, because you have to cook food and then you would have dinner. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like it is project management. It becomes project management of let's just get it done. Let's just get it done. Let's just get it done. Go to the doctors. Just fix me. Tell me what's wrong with me. Give me my prescription. Like, let's just I have things to do at work and then things to do at home. I can't be here at the doctor. It's this vicious cycle. So a lot of people don't have time to hear what's wrong or what needs to be fixed on top of that. And they just want to hear, I can give you this and it'll fix you by this date. And then you could go back to work and you can finish your project and have it done by that date. So you can move on to the project that you want to do so that you could get home in time to make dinner and you could do the laundry and start it all over again. Right. And so the fail becomes obsolete starting at the doctors because they may say yeah you have this but the underlying cause is this and you're like yeah I'll take care of that another day when I have time I don't want to hear about that fail let's hear about this and the good stuff you could do for me let's hear the positive stuff today that's all I have time for you know it's interesting because while you're saying that I'm thinking of how I as a consumer Mm-hmm. How I judge businesses. Mm. And I don't know if I've mentioned it on this show or maybe on another show, but I know I've mentioned it. I know I've mentioned it publicly. Are you moonlighting? It, it's possible. Hmm. But hmm. I know I've mentioned it hmm. publicly where I don't Tiffany judge. Tiffanyrufino.com for complaints. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't judge businesses by how they behave when things are going good. Like if I give you money and you give me product. That's the normal interaction. You should be good at that. I judge businesses by what happens when my delivery is late, my stuff didn't get there, I got the wrong stuff, my service was bad. How do you react in that instance? And to bring it to the doctor, we may not ask our doctor, what is it that you scored on this test or this, what grades did you get in school? But we do see their behavior, and I know mm-hmm. for the doctor that we like, one of the behavior, two, a couple of the behaviors that we we like is number one, she listens to you. Yeah. So if you say, "Hey, this is what I'm feeling, or this is what I'm experiencing, or this is what I think is happening," she doesn't do what a lot of doctors do and just say, "Nope, it's this," and send you out the door. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, if you went one direction and you have to change, she will acknowledge that. Yeah. And so for me, businesses that say, hey, I messed up. We messed up here. 
we like, failed. Like maybe an airline that messed up over the holidays? Yeah, we failed. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a time component here in don't wait too long to say you failed. But that was my next point. Yep. Yeah, but we failed and this is what we're going to do to fix it. Boom. You can save, you can completely mess something up and save an entire relationship just off of that because we're human. Mm-hmm. You're going to fail. And You're also going I, to mess up. I think the correction in messing up might take a little bit longer to decide what that correction may be. So for that airline that messed up over the holidays and canceled thousands of flights for people trying to get home, not only due to the weather, but not having enough pilots and preparation and airplanes, you know, to take all these people where they wanted to go. Um, They did acknowledge that they screwed up and it took them a long time to come back around. It's like a roller coaster ride, right? Like everybody's excited to go. We're going up and then down very quickly because, um, you know, it, it got screwed up and everybody's flights got canceled or whatever the case may be. But then they came back up a little bit to apologize, but everybody thought something was coming after that apology, and the apology was a little late, but they were still waiting for it, and then, like, nothing came to redeem, so then we go down on the roller coaster, but then they went really high up with, not only are we refunding you, but we're giving you a companion pass for, like, the rest of your life, and we're going to give you this amount of money, which was, like, a big amount for everybody that got screwed, so... There's a couple of hills on that roller coaster that could have been skipped, um, which I think a lot of people would have appreciated. But on the back end, the company is like, all right, we already lost the respect on the brand, um, the culture that we created for our passengers and our employees who had to deal with upset customers. And the employees are like, you know, I can't fly the plane. Like, I'm just here to communicate. Like... And I'm doing the best that I can. You know, I can't imagine the stress that they would have being away from their families, having to deal with families that can't see their families and who are yelling at them, you know, and and causing this ruckus. And the company has to figure out, okay, people are canceling. They're switching flights. They're transferring. We're losing money left and right. People are canceling future flights because we look inconsistent. How much money do we have that we can give back to all these families? And that takes time to budget out and then to plan how you're going to divvy this money up, how it's going to be refunded. You got to think about the people they can get in touch with, the people who change their credit cards after this and like how do do they get a check or does it go to a new credit card, the refund or whatever the case may be. People that were moving in the means. I mean, there's so many things that get factored in to, you know, refund. And I think although it felt like a long period of time for the customers who weren't able to get on that flight. I think the turnaround of about maybe two months, um, maybe it was two and a half months to come up with a plan and to execute that plan was a pretty short period of time for a huge company and the amount of people that were impacted by this. Because then you got to think, what about the people that had rewards points that were used or that somebody else bought their flight for them to go? Like, everybody's impacted by this, right? So how do you make it right for everybody across the board and make it even? Um, and make it positive so that you come back and you fly with this airline. Well, for me, I think... Like, do you say, hey, we've never failed and, you know, drowned our plane, so, like, you might want to stick with us even though we failed in, you know, getting you somewhere, but you're sitting there and you're like, well, yeah, you never failed in downing your plane because you never flew out. You, like, (laughs) you didn't even have the flight to, you know, put in your percentages for your results. I think two and a half months, and and this is where I'm going to kind of do the opposite. It it's the too audacity. long. It's it's too long for a big company to compensate all those people. Yeah, and not because it's not a product; it's a service. Yeah, but it's not because it's that many people. It's because if you're taking time to do this and that and a third, you're budgeting out. For me, what you're doing is you're budgeting. How, what can we get away with? And yes, they did give a lot and they went over the top. But now I start to think of how many times in my life have I been flat broke and I had to go visit my parents or visit my siblings or visit somebody in the family and I spent my last several hundred dollars on a flight. Mm -hmm. And so how many people spent two months with the money, like, 
they had to overspend to get home. Mm -hmm. And that money would have helped them month one or month two, Mm -hmm. where refunding is click. But that money was gone anyway, because if the flight had gone, you still wouldn't have that money. Yeah, but I'm saying if you if the flight goes, you can't go to a rental car company or you can't go to the the next airline that you go to and say, I've already spent 300 with this company. Can I now you're not applying that, right? You have to pay it again. I don't know, because I don't know how other airlines handled that because I think a few of it's, them compensated. It's, it's and, possible, and yeah, and you know, lines or whatever. yeah, and it, it's very possible. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that were thought they were going to get home on Monday and didn't get home till Wednesday, mm-hmm. and so that's even if they got compensated, that might be two days of work that they missed. And for a lot of people, two days of work is a lot. Yeah, for and sure. If you at the minimum say, "Hey, we messed up," click. Here's a refund for everybody who missed a flight. Boom. And then two and a half months later say, and we're going to compensate you with this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. I think that would go a further way. Um, I I mean, I just think about time. You know, we've all been there. We've all been in a place where $100 is a lot to be to be out. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, that's st- how much X costs now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I think about like, over the holidays, flights are more than a hundred dollars. For sure, yeah. You know, we've been planning travel for for year, our yeah. events, and the travel the, f- the further in the year you go, the higher it goes. So mm-hmm. I just think, like, hey, if you budgeted, and how many people, especially now where money's tight for everybody, inflation, yada yada yada, if you budgeted that, clearly two and a half months later, they're giving out all this money and. The company's not going out of business, thank God, you know, because that would be a, that would be compounding the problem even more. Like the employees didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think, could you have done? And you know, to to the point, this is this is thinking the, instead of like, like the you positive failed. or negative. You failed your customers. Did you, you failed did you your fail mission. in your response? Mm-hmm. And so. I think that, I mean, it, it is subjective and that's just my opinion and how I look at it because mm-hmm. if I was in that position, I would just say, click, give it to them. I'm mortified. Give them back whatever they want and that's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But is that enough? Is, you know, I, I have- And what I, is enough? Because thing. at the yeah. end of the day, you're never going to make everybody happy. Correct. There's always going to be somebody that said it could have been done sooner, better, greater, and it wasn't. And I'm and, never. And using I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. There are some people that need that, like pass or fail. This is a fail in in your eyes. And I'm like, okay. So my first reaction is I wasn't supposed to be on that flight. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm being protected. There's a reason this didn't happen. Does it suck? Absolutely. What's my next course of action? Like I'm thinking problem solve. Yeah. And first I'm thinking the behavior, right? Like, okay, I'm safe. I'm at the airport. Not supposed to get on this flight. Thank you for protecting me. What's my next course of action? Do I look for a place, like another flight that's going to get me there and that's the flight I'm supposed to be on? Or do I just go back home and um, start the phone calls a little later in the week because... Honestly, that that phone line is going to be packed, you know, and like, do I just get out of the drama because it's just going to get worse as people arrive at the airport? That's my way of thinking. And then the next thing is, you know, calling the people I was supposed to see, hearing how they feel about the situation, which might then start to impact me, right? Because I'm sitting there and I'm like, depending on the situation too, you know, if I was supposed to be at an event for them or be there for them for something that they're going through or to see them because I haven't seen them in a while. Um, And yes, of course, that would have impacted my heart right away. But right now I'm stuck in the middle of a chaotic airport and I know people are going to start turning really quickly. So again, while my safety was first with a flight, my safety is still in a big, huge crowd during a holiday and thinking about, do I want to be in a big crowd of angry people right now? I don't care if they've gone through TSA, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like there's, there's things that you can just get through TSA with, especially when it's that packed and, and you know, things can just slip by accidentally and I just don't want to be in that environment. And even if you have nothing, just a crowd of people is bad. Yeah. A crowd of angry people is bad because, you know, everything becomes a weapon when you're pissed off. 
Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I are from New York. We get it. So, um, you know, and then so it's almost like project managing a crisis and, and doing it backwards, I would think, from the airline's point of view of, okay, so the start of the project management is that this is the chaotic scene that went on. Um, But it started because we didn't have X, Y, Z, and we didn't prepare for the holidays for that case, knowing that the number one um, hiring position or job right now is actually pilots. That's what that's like the number one career that's searching for people is is piloting, Um, piloting, pilots, airplane flyers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's, I mean, that job is in a deficit. You have a lot of airline pilots that are retiring that have been doing this, you know, for decades. And, uh, you know, there's certain rules that you have to follow that allow people to stay in their role for that period of time. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of newcomers to it and things like that. But even with air traffic controllers, there's so many factors that go into it. And I don't know that they really, it, it's not like a great resignation with the airlines, it's just a matter of we have this gap of when people are leaving and when new people could come in and start flying these planes. And a lot of these planes aren't up to date with the new technology that the graduates have learned, you know, and the graduates have to fly a certain amount of hours before they can take over as pilots. So it's kind of like what happened with mechanics when cars went from being like, you know, a regular motor yeah. to having a whole computer and all the mechanics and had to like. And being and everything else. Yeah, yep. and, and now you had to plug in something to, to know whether you had to change the oil instead of just, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I think, you know, <clears throat> as I talk this out, I, I think our audience and even you are, are hearing how my mind works and that I'm looking for the why and trying to understand how things went wrong. Um, before I apply it to myself, I try to give like that grace of, okay, so I could see where this happened, this happened, and this happened. And that's where my heart goes to the business therapist piece of, all right, guys, how can I help? Like, how can I help with the public relations and to the business, you know, how can I help with public relations? Because this should not have been a letter that was posted online. This should have been like a group of you guys in front of a mic talking to the people and really like going to some of the airports and talking to the customers and, you know, apologizing and seeing what it's like in the airports and getting back down there as a customer, not somebody that flies on a private jet, right? And going in there and saying, okay, let's replay this whole situation. Let's, let's, Analyze it like it's the black box, you know, and how do we avoid this next year? Because it might even be worse with the lack of pilots that are ready to fly. So what kind of training program can we have that starts them now when it's not the busy season so that you are prepared for the busy season and they have the hours clock that they need? So, um, you know, that's the type of thing that I want to do. I don't want to sit and talk about like, oh, man, like the fail. I want to go into, okay, yeah, but that's. That's such a, we're never going to do it again. We're never going to let that happen again because we're going to have a plan next time. So I guess that's where my mindset goes to that. Yeah, you can fail, but there's, there's still so much learning that came from that. And call it what you want to. It's still going to be what it's going to be. You know, if we change the word fail to like you effed up, it's still you effed up, but we're still going to do it differently next year. And it's just a double fail if you don't do anything to prepare for next year. Um, and granted, whatever happens this year is not going to be the same chain of events that happened last year. Now we have balloons flying in the air that airplanes have to look out for. And like the skies are being triple and quadruple watched even more so than before, you know, just to protect our world. And so there's different things that are always going to evolve, but you kind of have to play that devil's advocate in the same way to prepare for those things that so that it's not that you're always successful, but you always know that you put everything out there to prepare for what could have happened. And I think as an employee, you can do the same thing. Um, if you're in a position as an employee to go ahead and control a project or to work on a document or to do training of other employees or to mentor somebody or to work with customers, you always want to be that person that 
did their best that day. And I think about, um, and I think it's the same thing for like employers and leaders and businesses and everybody else. I think that's always the intention, but sometimes we get so involved in our own BS that, you know, we forget what the intention is. However, and I shared this on Facebook today, there's a story of a 17 year old boy who is ice fishing and, uh, an elderly gentleman, his car veered off the road and went into the iced lake that this boy was fishing in. And the boy, without a thought, jumped in, saved the man, saved the man's dog from this, uh, you know, sinking car and saved their lives. And I think about, would I have the courage to do that or would I fail in that, you know, I would hold myself back and think, oh, but it's going to be really cold and, you know, it's already like halfway underwater and um, I don't know what's going to happen once I get in there and, you know, like overthink that moment or would I pass because I went ahead and just jumped in and didn't think about myself and thought about somebody else. And so I relate that back to customer service and your employees are your customers um, and your customers are your customers. I mean, everybody around you, if you think about them as a customer, how do you want them to walk away from you? And what do you want that moment that you had with them to be? And you have the opportunity to turn someone's day around or to turn it upside down. And, you know, in my book, you're always going to pass if you take like the higher way and you brighten someone's day. So whether that's by saying fail or participation ribbon, you'll get a participation ribbon from me if you do your best and you could go home knowing that you did your best and you're coming back to do better the next day and go from great to greater. Social media for this week, I think I want to focus on Facebook and I think I want to hear stories that you guys have of how you failed in business or at your job or whatever, and what you learned from it and how you overcame it. You don't have to be go into very specifics if you're not comfortable, but I'd love to hear those stories. And who knows, we may feature it in a, uh, in a future show. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. See you next time. Thank you.